World Audio. Episode 4, Villa Hell Holds Its Breath. The past is a funny thing. Some would say it isn't real. Some would say it isn't relevant, that we have to pack the past away, live in the present, and fully experience all that life has to offer. Not everyone is able to escape the past, though. Villa Hellebore certainly has never been able to escape its past. Few houses with dark histories ever do. You can paint them, redo them, hell, even tear them down. But those stories remain in the foundations of the building, in its very land. Villa Hellebore was built in 1876 for Ferdinand Felix Bettmann. Yes, you know, one of the founders of the famous German bank, F.F. Bettmann Brothers. The stone and timber mansion with its leaded light windows surrounded by Gothic stonework, its heavy oak front door, slate roof and multiple chimneys had been the bell of the ball. At least until Ferdy's 18-year-old daughter, Liesel, was found with her wrists inexplicably slashed in the clawfoot bathtub adjoining her room. You'd think that was bad enough, but in the late 60s, just a few years before Eddie and Lissy bought the place, a group of ragtag hippies broke in and called the place home. Stories swirled through town about the 'er ne'er-do-wells who'd taken possession of the Bettman mansion, of their hedonistic orgies, delirious drug use, their satanic rituals. So it came as little surprise to anyone in Sleepy Hollow when three of the house's five residents were fished out of the Hudson River in 1972. The remaining two were never heard from again. By all accounts, Villa Hellebore's past had been a terrible one, and perhaps Lissy, with her witchy intuition, knew that on some level. Perhaps she felt at home there because of it, for she too had a terrible past. A past she tried to escape through the usual avenues of sex, drugs, rock and roll. But try as she might, Lissy Ellery, wasn't able to rid herself of her past. Instead, she lived every day, at least in part, in a long, terrible, never-ending present, using whatever she could get her hands on to numb herself from pain. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oi, Lissy, this is the best lamb in Marrakesh. Get over here. Mm. I've saved some for you, but if you don't get in here soon, <laughs> I can't make any promises. What's that? It's my luggage. I'm heading back to London tonight. <laughs> tonight? What are you talking about? I need you tonight. I'm going back tonight. And when you get to the flat on Saturday, I'm not going to be there. What the fuck are you on about? I'm leaving you, David. Don't. Don't do that. Don't call me David like you're you're being all serious. I am being serious. No, you're not. You're being a child. 
a pissy little child who doesn't know how good she's got it. <clears throat> don't you fucking move. I'm talking to you. You are not leaving Morocco, and you are not leaving me. We are here to have a good time, and when we get back to Blighty, we start our world tour. Three months, 14 countries, over a million tickets sold. This is going to go down as the biggest tour of 1969. You really think that Dave Bolin is going to take that final stage without his Lissy? I'm not your Lissy. Oh, yeah? Whose Lissy are you, then? Eddie's? I'm not anyone's. You fucking hit me with your bag. Are you fucking serious? It's not a bag. It's a poochie. And you're welcome. Shit. At least help me get this blood cleaned up. I think you broke my nose. You fucking bitch. Jesus. He can't save you, you know. What are you talking about? Eddie, just because he's boring doesn't mean he can save you. Eddie is not boring. Oh, yes, he is. And you know it. You can leave me, but it's not me you're trying to get away from. It's you. And you can't get away from you, love. Dave, I am leaving. Right now. And when you get home, I'll be gone. And if you ever touch me again, if you ever come near me again, I swear on my mother's soul, I will kill you. But she didn't mean it. She never meant it. She tried so many times to leave Dave Boland, but always got pulled back in. That night, Dave showed up at the airport, burst into tears, put his arms around her, and begged her to stay. She stayed. She always stayed. If it hadn't been for Jimmy, or perhaps if it hadn't been for divine intervention, Lissy might still be handling Dave Boland's violence today. Instead, Dave Boland is six feet under, and Eddie did indeed show up to be her saviour. For years he had been her saviour. But can you save those who don't want to be saved? Good morning, Lizzie. Morning. What you reading? Anything good? Alistair Crowley. Should I know who that is? If you're a fan of 19th century occultists, you should. Well then, that explains it. How was last night? Great. Craig was a surprisingly gentle lover. What? <laughs> Are you serious? You think I'd... I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> oh your deadpan is... Too deadpan. <laughs> We had a nice time. We talked, we smoked, we summoned spirits from an interdimensional plane. Ah, typical Tuesday night then. <laughs> that last one I'm actually not joking about. Wait, what? I don't... Oh, <laughs> is this, um, more deadpan? We found my old Ouija board and, uh, well, we got in touch with some powerful entities. Lilith for one, who's like the Elvis of maternal goddesses. And then another one, I don't know, Eris? Well, that is really something, Lissy. Okay, fine. Don't believe me. 
I do. I'm spiritual. I believe in uh, entities. It was delightfully intense. Ouija boards aren't supposed to be like that. And the things they asked us to do. Mm. You know, you have a strong intuition for these things, Lizzie. You always have. It makes sense that you might bear a spirit's presence more heavily. That's true. I can see why Lilith and, um... <clears throat> what was the other one called? Eris. Yes, Eris. I see why they came through to you so strongly. You're a maternal goddess yourself. Tough, kind, willing to forgive people who've maybe... Mommy, Powell's gone. Oh, honey. Did the demon take her? The demon? No, Charlie. The demon didn't take Paula. She, um... Well, honey, she decided to go work for someone else to take care of another little boy. What? I'm sorry, sweetheart. It's her job. I'm sure it was about money, not you. She loved you. I know it. But we have tadpoles. She just took another job and left? No warning? No notice? She said it's what she wanted. Ugh, Italians. So impulsive. Do you want me to call her? No, no. That's fine. Let's let her get settled into her new job. I'm sure she'll call us at some point. For her last paycheck, if nothing else. In the meantime, Charlie, you've got me. And we're going to have so much fun together. How are you with frogs? I'm... Better with food. Why don't we cook something? Together. And have your friends over after. I don't have any friends. Besides Paula and Jimmy. I just don't believe that. You go to the playground, the children's museum. But I don't go to school like other kids. That's where you make friends. Well, that's okay. I've just made a new friend who I think would be your friend too. How old is she? It's a he... And he's a big boy, just like you. Maybe. I'll think about it. In the meantime, you know what, Charlie? We've never made Shatbula together, have we? Oh, here. They just call them Swedish meatballs, but oh, sweetheart, my mother's recipe eats better than anything you've ever had. I like meatballs. Who doesn't? We can have Craig and his friends come over. We can all have Shirtbula, get some pizzas, play games. We could watch a movie in the screening room. Can we watch Star Wars? Of course we can watch Star Wars. Lissy, do you really want a bunch of strange teenagers in this house? Oh, Kathy, of course I do. And so does this house. It wants to feel alive. It wants the lights on. It wants music playing. Candles burning. This house wants good energy, and so do I, to keep the bad away. So go, find Craig so we can introduce Charlie to his new friend. Okay. But Lissy, what demon? Lissy doesn't hear. And so Kathy sets off on an errand she doesn't feel the slightest bit comfortable with. Craig is a sweet but troubled boy. She knows that. And Lissy is, well, Lissy. 
and two troubled souls do not necessarily a happy ending make. Keeping Lissy on an even keel in Eddie's absence, an even keel that doesn't involve drugs, is probably about 90% of her job right now. Successfully pulling it off would go a long way with Eddie, who pays the bills after all. It might mean a promotion. He might put her in charge of all his houses, not just this ominous upstate New York tomb. She could fly around the world, making sure there was cold champagne and caviar at the Albright Estates, the good ones, London, Mystique. There might even be a bonus in it for her, and not one she has to help herself to on the sly. No, a proper bonus, thousands of dollars most likely. That's couch change for a man like Eddie Albright. But Lissy is tricky. If Kathy hadn't introduced her to Craig, she knows Lissy would have found someone else, would keep asking until she got hold of what she wants. So maybe it is better to play along with Lissy for now. Maybe it gives Kathy a semblance of control. At least that's what she'd tell Eddie if he ever found out. This is the dream job. Why would she do anything to fuck it up? She just needs to keep the peace for a while, long enough to get her just reward. Then she can tell them all to go fuck themselves, move to Florida, and buy the boat she's been wanting her whole life. Just a little more time, and all of it could be hers. Twenty! Oh! A critical hit. The chimera rears back, mortally wounded by your strike. As it teeters on the edge of the cliff, the light catches something around its neck. Could this be the Amulet of Eve? If you let your ravenous foe fall to its death, you will never know for sure. What is your move? Jesus, Craig. You're good at this. Craig, get up here. Time out. What? My neighbor Kathy's here to see you. Oh, hey. Good to see you, Craig. What's up? Keep it down, for fuck's sake. I'm watching the game here. If this is about your mentorship program, I'm good. Actually, Craig, you're pretty far from good. She was the one that started all that weird Ouija shit last night. I just I'm was... not talking about the Ouija shit, Craig. <laughs> You're a young man, so there's a lot about the world you are yet to understand, and one of them is that the friendship of a woman like Lissy Ellery comes around about once in a million lifetimes. And it just so happens that she would like to invite you, and any friends you deem appropriate, back to the Villa Hellebore this evening for a party. A party? I'm a teenager. My friends are teenagers. And Lissy Ellery is young at heart. What are you not understanding about this, Craig? Do you want to stay here? In this house? In this life? No. Of course you don't. Listen, I was living a life that I wanted out of. I deserved better. And thanks to Lissy and Eddie, it got better. You see these teeth? They're caps. Thanks to Lissy and Eddie. My husband's motorcycle, same. 
they're good friends to have, Craig. So if you know what's good for you, you'll call up your five most charming pals, you'll do whatever it is that you do to your hair, and you'll come over for Swedish meatballs and pizza at eight o'clock tonight. Okay? I don't have any charming friends. Uh, what about that little, uh, Knights and Wizards group down there? They seem harmless. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. Lissy will be fascinated, I'm sure. And one other thing. Promise? They're rock stars. Enjoy the ride, but don't ever let yourself stumble into thinking it's more than a show. That it's real. You'll just... You'll end up... (laughs) Hurt. What are you talking about? Just be careful, and keep your wits about you. Despite his protestations, despite being more than a little freaked out by the Ouija board, Craig was desperate to return to Villa Hellebore, to Lissy. He hadn't been able to stop thinking about her. He hadn't dared to hope she had even given him a second thought, but now here was another invitation. He'd have to show her a good time, but what would that look like? Drugs? Noise? Excitement? It was time for some creative thinking. His best friend, Robbie's uncle, Mickey, was his source for weed. So Craig decided to ask Robbie if Uncle Mickey could get them anything that had a little more kit for the party. So, now that the meatballs are cooked, you see that there's a bunch of juice on the bottom? Yes. Okay, so we pour that juice into the saucepan here, and we use it to make the sauce. Can I try it now? It's not done yet, but sure. Ugh, too salty. (laughs) I warned you. Your mum trying to poison you, Chief. Jimmy! Oh, you're getting to be too big to just jump up in my arms like that. I'm an old man now, you might kill me. Still have your key, I see. Yeah, well, down you go, mate. When Eddie gives me something important, I don't lose it. Charlie, it's time to feed your tadpoles, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Jimmy, do you want to come see my tadpoles? More than anything. I'll be right along. Great. I'm meeting up with the band tonight in St. Louis. Eddie asked me to bring him his Les Paul. If he's going to ask you to check in on me, you can at least warn me you're coming. Can't surprise you, you mean? Just in case you're up to things Eddie wouldn't like. What the fuck do you want from me, Jimmy? A blood test? Rectal exam? (laughs) Nah, you're not my type. You look good, I'm shocked to say. Wish I could say the same. (laughs) And you're in the kitchen, of all places. Didn't think you even knew where it was. Well, Jimmy, it should come as no surprise to you that I'm full of surprises. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have washing up to do. These are my tadpoles. I caught them at the pond. Oh, look at them. They're brilliant, they are. <laughs> look, Charlie, that one's got little legs and everything. So they're just baby frogs, right? 
Jimmy finds Charlie out in the garden, tending to a flourishing school of tadpoles in a makeshift habitat that Charlie says Lissy helped him build. A focused, single-minded man who had always put work before family, Charlie was the boy Jimmy never had, the boy he'd always wanted. He was more than a little relieved to find Charlie happy, healthy, and in the care of a woman who seemed the complete opposite of the one he found choking on her own vomit in the Gramercy Park Hotel three months prior. By the time Jimmy left Villa Hellebore, Les Paul guitar in hand, he was completely flummoxed by the fact that things were good. Better than good, normal. God only knows why this time seemed to actually be the time, but it seemed it was. This time, detox had worked. This time, Lissy, the queen of self-destruction, had struck some sort of balance between her demons and the better angels of her nature. Lissy liked people being around. In this respect, she was the opposite of Eddie, an introvert, able to be extroverted only when he was with other musicians, the only people who he felt understood him properly, spoke his language. She, on the other hand, loved people the more the merrier. She felt more alive when there were people around, always activity, always someone to talk to, something to do. She got off on people and noise and drama and try as she occasionally did, she didn't seem able to turn herself into a different kind of woman. Charlie, they're here! Greg, my new pal. Hey. And my new pal's pals. Hello. What's up? Come in, come in. Wow, nice house. Wait a minute, Craig. Is that... Robbie, just try to be normal. It isn't a typical Lissy Ellery soiree. The median age of its attendance is about 17, but Lissy is nothing if not the consummate hostess. All of a sudden, there's a scream above us, and Jim Morrison comes crashing through the skylight. Glass and metal and everything, and he lands in our bed. And Eddie just says, hey, Jim. And Jim's like, hey, Eddie. And Eddie turns to me, and he says... We better leave that bellhop a huge fucking tip. <laughs> Whoa, that's nuts. Wait, who? Oh, I am. I, I listened to a Doors album once. It was, uh, it, it wasn't bad. Okay, thank you, Robbie. Did everyone get some shirt, Willow? Yeah, they were great, Lissy. Thanks. Craig, did you invite more friends? <laughs> M- maybe. I'll uh, go get them. Be right back. Robbie, you told Mickey it was a private party, right? I left him a message. He never got back to me. He wouldn't just drop by, would he? Hey, nephew. Thought I'd drop by. Uncle Mickey. You know, hey. You said you were partying with Lissy Ellery tonight. Nobody at the restaurant believed it, but here she is. Here I am. There you are. Mm-hmm. Now... 
got a ton of friends that would like give their left nut to do a bump with you. It'd be like an honor. Can I uh, invite him over? Lizzie, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh, love. I've been dealing with men like this since before you were born. And we mustn't be rude. Mickey, darling, I'm afraid I must insist that you invite your friends over. All right. <laughs> As the house filled up, Lissy felt better. The strangers milled around the great room, picking up books, examining boxes, looking for clues about Eddie Albright, things they could tell their friends. Some drifted over to the conversation pit, settling back into pillows as joints appeared, the sweet, musky smell of cannabis filling the room. This was familiar. This was good. This was her favorite kind of evening, the kind of evening where anything could happen. Lissy looked around the room, feeling like herself again for the first time since leaving detox. She stood up with a sniff, a buzzy smile, and a familiar feeling of omnipotence. The house was filled with people, as it always used to be, and those people were treating her like a queen, as it should be, and they had all brought drugs, which they may or may not usually sell, but for people like Lissy and Eddie, people who they were hoping to befriend, the drugs were gifts, payment for being granted access. Miss Ellery... I have to ask oh, you. Oh, please call me Lissy. Okay, Lissy. Which of them's better? I'm sorry. Which of who? And better at what? You know, Eddie or Dave. In bed. Ugh, do fuck off. There isn't enough champagne in France to get me to answer that one. Bloody <laughs> cheek. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. God, I'm so high. That was awful. I'm sorry. She was used to being the center of attention, Lissy. She took a deep hit of a joint someone passed to her, turned up the music and moved her hips, pulling off a chiffon scarf that was covering a lamp and sliding it seductively across her face as she threw her head back and laughed dancing around the people who were starting to dance alongside her. Oh, I've been so bored. <laughs> it's not boring now. You know what, Mickey? What? Sobriety sucks. <laughs> You're damn right about that, honey. Cheers. You know, I always thought you might be my kind of woman. Oh, yeah? And what kind of woman is that? <laughs> a woman who appreciates the more pleasurable things in life. Like? Like, uh, I got a little treat in my pocket, if you're interested. And I thought you were just glad to see me. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Although... What did you mean? <laughs> you don't, uh, happen to have a spoon in this big old house of yours, do you? Maybe, uh, a little aluminum foil? At the Four Seasons St. Louis, Eddie's coming down from a high of his own, 
The drums, the amplifiers, the roaring crowd. Even after all these years, nothing got his blood pumping quite like a show. And tonight, especially as one of his idols, Chuck Berry, had visited him in the green room, had even complimented his work. It was a lifetime dream come true for Eddie, and he couldn't wait to phone home and share the moment with his son and wife, who he couldn't believe had, for the first time ever, gotten Jimmy's seal of approval. Yeah, hi, who the fuck's this? <laughs> who is this? This is Eddie fucking Albright and you're in my house. Where's my wife? <gasps> oh my god, Eddie Albright? I can't believe it. Joe? Joe? You're not gonna believe this. It's Eddie Albright on the phone. Huh. Fucking hell. What the fuck, Kathy? Hello? What the fuck is happening at my house? What are you talking about? I was just there this morning. Everything's fine. It's not fucking fine. I just phoned Lissy and the phone was picked up by a woman I don't know. It sounds like there's a party going on. And if there's a party going on, then Lissy is going to be fucked up. I'm paying you to keep an eye on her, for fuck's sake. Oh, oh Jesus. I'll head over there now. Fuck. Albright, you stupid idiot. (sighs) (sighs) Fucking idiot. Eddie. She did it again, didn't she? Can I come in? This is Jane Green. For the latest episodes of Rainbow Girl, follow the podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash rainbowgirl or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have questions for us about Rainbow Girl or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Again, that's rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerald Audio Network. Rainbow Girl is a production of Emerald Audio in association with Gemini 13 based on a story by Jane Green, written by Jane Green and Tommy Lombardi. Produced and directed by Garrett Scott for Real Jetpacks Productions. Theme music by Tyler Cash. Featuring the voices of Quincy Dunbaker, Dan Bittner, Tim Dadabo, Jane Green, Jake Hart, Mitchell Hogue, Ryan Cooperman, Tam Mutu, Sarah Natacheni, Sandra Okuboyejo, Jeremy Carlisle Parker, Deborah Rain, Max Roll, Emily Schaefer, and Harry Smith. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. 
Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers Jane Green, Spencer Brown, and Mark Francis. Special thanks to Charles Steinhauer, Scott Waxman, Jacob Bronstein, David Bibby, and Travis Bell. <laughs>